Hello, Texans, and welcome to the show that usually takes you inside NRG Stadium, but we're taking you inside the Staff Hotel, downtown Green Bay, as we are here for the Texans' joint practices and preseason opener against the Packers Thursday night at Lambeau Field. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Throughout the program, you will hear from Tashawn Gibson. Johnny catches up with him. I catch up with Josh Ferguson in the mix for that number two running back job. We'll find out how he's faring this camp. You'll hear from John McClain, of course. Bill O'Brien on the way in just a few moments here. A lot of things happening. Johnny and I will break down quarterbacks, mostly Johnny. And don't forget, Wednesday, I want to tease it right now, Johnny. Okay. Because Wednesday morning at 9 a.m., you mm-hmm. are going to break down every position on the roster yep. in one segment, and it's going to yep. be rapid fire. Boom, 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 boom. It'll be good stuff. Never been done before. Oh, yeah. And uh, by the way, quick note, uh, this historic hotel we're staying at is very cool. And not oh, the yeah. entire team is here, just some staff members, because right. there's not a hotel large enough in Green Bay to house a visiting NFL team. Usually when you play the Packers, you stay in Appleton, Wisconsin, right. not in Green Bay. But this is cool being down here. I'm getting a kind of the shining vibe a little bit from this place. Hmm. You know, kid on a tricycle, yeah. twins, red rum. I'm well, getting were... a little bit of that kind of vibe, but it's a very beautiful hotel. And I'll tell you, it's so historic that they still have the mail slots for the keys at the front desk, you know, those key yeah, slots yeah, yeah. where you get your mail and the keys and everything, and not because they're too lazy to change it. They've restored everything beautifully here. You and I had the same moment of panic over the time. Time difference? No, the time on the clocks in the oh, building. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell okay. the story because All right, so this, morning, this is a good story because I had this moment. I had this moment later or, or uh, earlier today in my room, and I panicked for a second and went, wait a second, it's – Oh, yeah. You and I are leaving at 6.15, and I, I told the guy at the front desk, I said, the clock is 15 minutes fast. It yeah. says 6.30. He said, Lombardi time. Yeah. And he said, all the clocks <laughs> in the hotel are set 15 <laughs> minutes fast. That is cool. That's awesome. Lombardi time indeed. Anyway, we don't want to use up all our Lombardi time, our little grace period we have here. So let's get right to it. Bill O'Brien, after practice today, began with something very serious and for good reason. Let's listen into what the coach had to say. Uh, before I get started, just want to um, say a couple things. Uh, number one, uh, just as a representative of the Houston Texans, uh, our hearts go out to the people of El Paso and uh, obviously the people of Dayton. It's a horrible event, events that happened. And, uh, you know, we just uh, we feel terrible about it, and uh, we just want to express our condolences to, to both those cities. Um, and then also I just want to mention uh, uh, sending our condolences to Don Banks' family. You know, Don Banks was somebody that I got to know as a head coach here in Houston who was an uh, awesome sports writer, always told the truth, um, you know, was a very trustworthy guy, a guy that you could really sit down and talk to. He studied football. He loved football. And it was a shock to uh, all of us in football to see that he uh, passed away the other night. So uh, our, our hearts go out to the Banks family. So. Uh, just want to say that to start off. Johnny, of course, our condolences to the victims in the shootings over the weekend, and you just can't say enough about how horrible that is and how much everyone needs our support. And we're going to support the affiliates, by the way, TV and radio in El Paso with their efforts to help do whatever they can to take care of the families of the victims. And Don Banks, I know you knew him. I knew him mm-hmm. not well, but I knew him. I interviewed him before. Yeah. Would always see him at the NFL meetings and stuff. And uh, that's pretty shocking, 56 years old, and he just passes away. Yeah, I saw, 
I think it was Megan O'Brien who we met with the Patriots. Yep. Who, you know, Don had been doing some some stuff for Patriots.com, and he had just gotten a job with the Las Vegas Review Journal. He was going out to Las Vegas to cover the NFL for Las Vegas. But obviously, the Raiders are going there, and congrats to the Raiders. They just got a new stadium, uh, Allegiant. Named the stadium, Allegiant uh, 30-year lease. They just announced that today. So congratulations to the Raiders. They've got a name for the stadium out in Las Vegas. But so Don, no casino did it? Nope. It's a, Well, I guess they already have that branding taking yeah, place. Yeah, you're probably right. So, uh, yeah, they got their names all over buildings out there. I guess they don't have to put it on an NFL You know, their gigantic <laughs> signs. And but it would be yeah. cool for them. You would. Th- I'm sure they tried. Yeah, I'm sure they tried. But, but Don was going out to Las Vegas. In fact, he had been in Canton covering the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame inductions, and he was such a wealth of NFL knowledge. It was just a it was a sad note, and and obviously the the two shootings that took place uh, over the weekend it's 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 gotten insane. It's gotten out of hand. It's it's been it's been out of hand, yeah. And it's hit home hard for us in Houston with what happened at Santa Fe High School. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the list of shootings, the numbers of them that have been in the state of Texas is way too many. Um, it's way too many yep. anywhere, but. To see, uh, you know, the number, uh, you know, I, I just, it's hard. It's hard to deal with. Yeah. It's really hard to deal with. It is. It is. And uh, you feel like nowhere is really safe. But I don't know if we want to get into that topic right now. And uh, let's just uh, hope for the very best here. I know it's a problem that's not easily solved. And let's hope everybody can do the best they can to solve it, whatever that would take. Okay. Here's Bill O'Brien on the running back situation because he was asked right away by John McClain, what about Deontay Foreman? What happened? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime, John, you're just trying to make a decision in the best interest of the team. You know, we've got some guys that are playing pretty good at that position, and uh, we, we had a need at some other positions, and that's just what we decided to do. And, you know, uh, we wish uh, Deontay the best. Um, he's a good guy. Uh, he's got talent, and we wish him the best. O'Brien was also asked about how the backs look today, and, Johnny didn't really say much about that. But yeah. let's start right here because you and I did this morning's show. And this was a major topic of discussion. Discussion. So tell me, how do the backs look today? Higdon got a lot of work. He did. They they both did. I'll be honest, Mark. I, I watched a little bit more of the defense than the offense, but I saw the reps basically divvied out to the running backs about the same way that they had been divvied out the couple days before we took off for Green Bay. When we saw them on Thursday and on Saturday, the reps were split up amongst Lamar getting the, the, the ones reps and then yielding to Taiwan Jones and then – Higdon and Crockett getting a lot of reps. The good thing about going, uh, you know, in, in joint practices, especially on a day when it's it, it was relatively hot. I mean, we you know we noticed it early on. They're fan the fans are fanning themselves because it was it was sort of steamy, and so you don't have kind of a a break in the action, if you will, because the offense and defense is down on that side. So yeah. it's not like it's not like uh, you know you're getting lesser reps you're getting more reps right so those guys were all getting a ton of reps and i think that's what's great about a joint practice is you mm-hmm. get that many more reps because you the offense is essentially off by itself so you go off by yourself you you uh have those reps and karan higdon and, and demaria crockett were getting a bunch i mean i like i said i mark i, I like those two guys and i i told i told clint i was watching a little bit of practice with clint sterner and i told clint i said I said, you and I have been kind of in the same boat about Demario Crockett. And I was like, he's going to mess around and become number two back on this team. But I, you know, the Foreman situation we talked about, you know, he's going to end up with the Indianapolis Colts. He was claimed on waivers. So be it. It, it happens. Look, if Andre Johnson can go play for the Colts 
and live to tell about it and come back to, to the city of Houston, I think we'll be okay if Deontay Foreman goes to Indianapolis. I think we'll be okay. It is interesting. It, it is interesting. And by interesting, I mean, come on. Really? I know. but The Colts. But then again, listen, you, you made the you made decision as an organization to do that and to, to waive him. It's all in, it's all in now, play. Now you move on. And yeah. now you move on. Right. And you see what these guys are able to do. And I think what you saw from them today was, okay, that was promising. That was promising. Did any one of them lock up the number two spot? No, and it's not going to happen. But today, tomorrow, Thursday night, that's going to go a long way in – when they get back, when we get back to Houston and we practice and get ready with the Lions and take on the Lions, maybe there's a, maybe there's a change. Maybe yeah. one of the guys steps to the forefront. Maybe Higdon is starting to show himself. Like, hey, wait a second, this guy really needs to be getting the number two reps. Or look, we don't want this to happen, but we know how it goes. Injuries can change the course of what happens amongst that group too. That might force your hand to maybe do something. Like, wait a second, now our depth is starting to show a little bit, but. I, I, of what I saw the running backs today, watching them run the football, and look, Lamar Miller. L- Lamar Miller is the one thing to keep in mind that Lamar Miller's still here. He's good. He's still here, and I he watched good today. I thought he did. There was one run mark that he had, and it was it was awesome because they ran a play and they run the the play that Lamar ran, uh, the uh, ninety seven yarder against the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it's basically what's called a rat. It's a rat play. It's a it's a power play, but it's with you pull the tackle instead of pulling the guard. You pulled the uncovered lineman, basically. And so Matt Khalil was the uncovered lineman. So he pulls across, and I'm telling you, man, he whacked this defensive man. I mean, he's just, pow. And I, I was like, whoa. It was one of the biggest collisions. Lamar darts inside. He gets in the hole. And then Lamar does that thing. He kind of pitter-pats his feet, like da-da-da-da, real kind of hot feet. And then, boom, he cut back on the linebacker, and the linebacker barely touched him. And it was like a good seven, eight-yard run before he was touched. I was like, that's the Lamar Mill. That, that's – that's the Lamar Miller I love. That's the one I love to see. Well, we'll see what Hegden does. We'll see what Crockett does. Ferguson, we'll hear from him in the next segment. He's in play. Taiwan Jones, I suppose, a special teamer throughout Absolutely. his career, but he's in the running back mix. And maybe somebody, maybe a player to be named later. We'll see. Was it more or less physical than you thought it would be today? At times I thought it was pretty physical. I saw one. I can't remember which DB, but one of them fall right on Hopkins. And I thought he... Yeah. I thought there was a little lanyap there. I thought a little <laughs> unnecessary. So well, the Packers, know, the Packers are not too happy with what happened, and I, I didn't see what happened. I, I've with read, Ronnie? yeah, I've read what happened. I've, I've, he- I've heard from the Packers side. The some of the, the Texas media that was there was saying, you know, it was a good clean hit. Some people were mad that Lonnie flexed over him. Whatever the case might be, like, uh, look, I understand that there's a sort of decorum to practice. Like, I get it, right? But I wasn't even. I was watching the offense at that point. I was too. And I heard, actually, my mother say, ooh, they're fighting Johnny. And I would look down, and I immediately knew. I was like, I have a feeling I know who's involved in this. No way. I knew. I, I knew right away. I mean, my dad could tell you because I immediately said, yeah, I, I think I know who. I'm pretty sure I know who that is. And uh, and I, I didn't even see in, in the fray of things. I just had a feeling because that's just the way Lonnie plays. Like, yeah. we saw him at practice on Saturday, he made a tackle on an outside run. Like, he made a full-on tackle on Karan Higdon on an outside run. It was a great play. I mean, a great play. But it's like one of those when you're a coach and you're like, look, we're trying to thud or thump. We're not trying to take guys to the ground, that kind of yep. thing. But, you know, but Lonnie drilled Jay Sternberger, apparently, and 
you know, some people, you know, the Packers fans were upset. The Packers were upset. You know, hey, we don't do those things. I mean, there was a moment where Bakhtiari, I was talking to Clil about this, and, and uh, he said that uh, one of the, the Packers linemen kind of did something, kind of held or did something to one of the Texans linemen. Bakhtiari, like, apologized to us, like, hey, he's a rookie. He doesn't really know. Right. You know, and, the, and Whitney was, like, kind of surprised, like, yeah, okay. I will say this. I thought anytime the Packers wanted to run the ball on on our first unit in particular, forget it. Wasn't happening. Didn't happen. I did, thought did not happen. Okay, I'm no did, did I, not happen. I'm no you, but I was watching seven on seven mm-hmm. Packers offense against the Texans defense. Yeah. I thought the coverage was pretty good I did in the too. seven on seven. I did too. I mean this is Aaron Rodgers in a seven on seven. And and several times he had to just like sort of run with the right, ball right. and check it down or whatever. Now he did make one throw that was otherworldly, but it, it was an Aaron Rodgers vintage, twenty twenty five yard right sideline frozen rope to Jimmy Graham that a die had Graham, but he thought I sound like you know he thought I, he I know what you're going to say he thought maybe like the play's not over, but it's not going to happen. Flicked it and and Rodgers just. <laughs> Just yeah. threw a laser to Jimmy Graham <laughs> along the sideline that was complete. And I thought, ooh, that, that's when you just – you cannot give up. Not that Adai gave up, but right. you can't ever think it's over. It, it was interesting Aaron. because it looked like Rodgers had given up. And then all of a sudden he was just like, there's Jimmy. And he flicked it. Yeah. I was like, whoa. I, I know the exact throw you're talking about. He also had one throw to Dan Vitale down the right sideline where Zach Cunningham was his right – just in his hip pocket. And and Gibson was coming over to help. I think it was two man, so they were playing man underneath, and then two safeties over top. And it was a real game. I think Gibson would have knocked Vitali into like the yeah. next week. Yeah, they had to hold but up. They, but times. he held up. And I actually asked Deshaun about that before we started our interview. I said, in a, all I said was in a game. He goes, Oh, come on now. He just looked at me. <laughs> and I said, I know, I know. He goes, He goes, No, no, no I, I would have, yeah. And then he told me something his high school coach told him. And I was like, I, I kind of figured that was the case, but I had no. But this is great work against him. But I'm, I'm with you, Mark. I, I watched a lot of 7-on-7, seven seven, and there were a number of times where he had to pull it down. He didn't have anything. There was, there was not a lot there. I thought the coverage was as as good as I, I've seen in a while. I thought it was really, yeah. really good. I mean, you don't want any false confidence here after one day of joint practice, exactly. but it looked pretty good in that phase of the game. Next up, you talked to, to Sean Gibson. I, I talked did. to Josh Ferguson and also – We will hear from our buddy Pete Prisco of CBS Sports. That's all coming up on Texans Radio. It's Texans Radio. We are in downtown Green Bay. Day winding down. Day one of these joint practices with the Packers. Tomorrow they'll be back out there at the Don Hudson Center, and we will, too, to preview what goes on in day two. But let's get back to some thoughts on day one. Our buddy Pete Prisco of CBS Sports, cbssports.com. I visited with him and asked him what he was seeing throughout the day from the Texans. I thought the defensive backs had a good day. I thought they covered well, the Texas defensive backs. I thought they did a nice job. Waring had a great catch on the sideline. I think he's going to be a big-time player for them. It's going to take a little time, but he can catch the football. Um, the new-look offensive line did some interesting things. They're big. They're a big line. That's a big group across the front. So, uh, And that's to me, that's the most important thing. Can they protect the quarterback? I haven't seen your preseason picks yet, but what about this AFC South? What do you think? I, you know, I haven't picked it yet, but uh, I think any of the teams can win it. I think three of the teams stand out to me. I think the Titans are the fourth team. I think Jacksonville with Nick Foles will be the be really good again. I think, um, of course, Andrew Luck, depending on the health, I think they're going to be good. And if this team can protect Deshaun Watson, they're going to put up a ton of points. So 
uh, again, I think it's a wide-open division. What about Jacksonville? I know you've been down there, so what have you seen so far? You seem optimistic. Well, their defense is going to be really good again. I, I think there was some bad stuff that infiltrated that locker room last year, mm-hmm. and uh, it got it got ugly, and, and some of those guys are gone now, right. and, and there's a more cohesive unit. They're going to be dominant on defense again. They let some things slide, little things last year, and they, they were still a good defense. I mean, people forget, they, they shut out the Colts late in the season when they were on a run, so when they had to do it, they could do it. I think they'll be very good there. Health killed them on the offensive line. They need to get healthy there again this year. Uh, but the, the quarterback, I mean, the quarterback they had before isn't capable of making the plays this guy can make. Is the reign of terror for New England going to end anytime soon? No. As long as Belichick and Brady are there, they're still the team to beat. And I don't think there's any question about it. Look, the Chiefs are good. I think the Chargers are really good, Mark. I think they're, they're going to be one of the better teams in the league. But until you take down Brady and Belichick, they're still the team to beat. Now, what about the AFC North? Because there's a lot of difference of opinion there. See, everybody's on Cleveland. But until you learn how to win close games, big games, and December games, come talk to me. Because I think that's the big step. You've got to learn how to win. And how are the personalities going to mesh? You know, how's that offensive system going to look with Kitchens as a head coach and, and Monk in the offensive coordinator and Kitchen calling plays and who's he get along with? And, you know, Beckham, when he complains, is he going to gripe? And, I mean, there's, there's so many unanswered questions. The offensive line, the tackles aren't great either. So many unanswered questions for me that I'm not ready to – look, I look across and I see the Steelers. Right? Yeah. They got Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. They can still score, and they'll still be good on defense, and they'll be physical. until you. So for me, I'm picking the Steelers. Right, so here we are on the shadow of Lambeau Field. You've been all over the league. Is this the best atmosphere? What's your favorite? What stands out to you around the league? This is a great atmosphere. I mean, this small-town environment is fantastic. You know, it's like they have a stadium and, and a facility in the middle of a neighborhood. I mean, you look across the street, there's, there's houses right over there. People yeah. live across the street. That doesn't happen in a lot of, a lot of places. This is a great atmosphere. This is one of the best. What else? What else do you like around the league? Like Kansas City or is Kansas it City, Minnesota? Game day on Kansas City is fantastic. I was just in uh, Minnesota. Their new facility is as good as anything I've ever seen. It's phenomenal. Uh, and they had a night scrimmage on Saturday, and it was like an old school. They had fireworks afterwards. It was like this old school small town feel to it. Still, even though they're the Minnesota Vikings. One more for you. Will the NFL ever go to 18 games? What do you think happens there? Yes, they will. Wow. I'm a, I'm a big believer that they should. Get rid of two, expand the rosters, get you know, 10, 12, 13 more guys, make the game day rosters more active, give guys more time off in the offseason, pay everybody more money, uh, they'll agree to it. I guarantee you they will go to 18 games at some point. Pete, thanks a lot. You got it. Pete Prisco of CBS Sports, and I always enjoy visiting with him. And by always, I mean sometimes, because sometimes I don't like what he has to say about the Texans, but today wasn't so bad. Now, let's get to, I'll say it like this, here's Johnny. Those of you who are more seasoned will get the way I just introed him, but he has the 40 with Tashawn Gibson. It's a no-frills 40, audio only. Let's listen in. T. Gibb, we ask this of everybody, so tell me your fastest 40 time you ever ran. My fastest 40 time that I ever ran was a 4.49. Uh, but I play a lot faster than that, but my, my, my definitely my fastest time was a, a 4.49. I was something about the clock, man. It just always <laughs> used to make me nervous. I was between the white lines kind of guy. I hear you. I was the same way, but I was much slower than that. <laughs> What's this work like out here against 
Aaron Rodgers and those wide receivers. What's that been like today? I mean, first of all, man, I think that going against a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who's a for sure Hall of Fame, not only that, he, he, he in my opinion, if you exclude the guy in New England, is the best quarterback in the National Football League. And getting that type of work, that type of experience, man, and he's just a down-to-earth guy, you can go over there and ask him, like, hey, man, what did you see on this play? And he'll let you know. Yeah. I mean, this is the type of experience and, and, and valuable experience that you just can't get anywhere. So having these next three days to go out here and be able to compete against the best of the best, man, is an awesome feeling. How did you feel the secondary did overall? The number of times my eyes were going back and forth, so I didn't see everything. But I looked right. over there, I saw a lot of incompletions. I didn't hear a lot of cheering a lot of times. But you know 12 is going to get his sometimes. But how did you feel overall about the secondary play today? I think that, you know, we came out here, the energy was there. And that's one thing, the energy and the effort. And those are two things as a football player, as a football coach that you always preach. Those are two things that you just can't coach. You can't coach effort. And I think that the guys came out there, man, we had a lot of effort. Obviously, going against a guy like Aaron Rodgers, he had good receivers out here, 17 Adams. He's a top-tier receiver. So anytime you have that type of things, tight ends like Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis, those guys are going to compete passes. Those guys are some of the best of the best. But uh, when you look back on it, man, I think that we came out here, we did what we wanted to do. Obviously, it's not perfect. We want to learn from it, get better. Uh, obviously, we got to watch the tape. But like you said, uh, it wasn't that much cheering, so that kind of lets you know the direction <laughs> that was going. But obviously, uh, whatever we go on tape, you always uh, it's always thing that you can learn from and get better because nothing is perfect. All right, let's play a little word association. Let's, let's see how fast we can do this. DeAndre Hopkins. Great. Aaron Colvin. Smooth. Jonathan Joseph. OG. Vet. Deshaun Watson. Calm. Swaggy. 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 I like it. Aaron Rodgers. Goat, man. Goat. Devontae Adams. Electric. I think that'll do it, man. That's 40 yards with Deshaun Gibson. Sean, thank you, man. I appreciate you for having me. John Harris with Tashawn Gibson. Now, let's move right ahead to the running back position, the topic du jour, the backup to Lamar Miller. Who's going to get the gig? Will it be by committee? We'll see. But a player who has a little experience in this league is Josh Ferguson. I visited with him and asked him how it was going. It's going well. Um, it's been a grind, a lot of competition at the running back position, but uh, that's part of the game. It's part of the NFL, and it's been a been a pleasure to be behind Lamar and compete with everybody else and learn from each other and uh, getting better together. Now, what about learning this offense for you overall? I know it's been a process, yeah. and how's it going, that part of it? Yeah, it was definitely difficult at first, but things are starting to click. Um, the way coach likes to call plays is starting to make sense, and as you get to understand the flow of the play calling, uh, the execution gets a lot easier. So uh, it's been an upward trajectory. How difficult is it to pick up pass protection as a running back? It's definitely a difficult task. Um, it requires a lot of film study to see how guys like to rush because each guy has different types of approaches. But once you get that down and learn the basic techniques of staying inside out and not letting a guy cross your face, that becomes a lot easier. What about running against this Green Bay defense today? How'd that go for you? Good. They got a def- definitely got a stout defense, fundamentally sound. Um, definitely hold their guys very well. Linebackers pursue well. So it was good to get out here and play against someone different than the, the Houston Texans and uh, see how we match up. The difference between uh, the breeze was cool instead of, uh, you know, that high humid breeze you get in Houston. So it's a pleasure. Have you gotten to know the city of Houston at all? A little bit. Uh, I got some family. So I've been uh, a few times prior to moving out here, but um, not too much, obviously, here to work. What are your expectations in the preseason game coming up Thursday, the opener? Uh, I just expect myself to go out there, play hard, and put my best foot forward. Thanks a lot, Josh. Absolutely.
Josh Ferguson, one of the many running backs you'll see on Thursday night, vying for playing time in the regular season at that number two spot. We'll see how it all shakes out. It makes Thursday night's game extra interesting. And again, it will kick at 7 o'clock on ABC 13. You can stream the game live on the app. You can listen to it right here. So many ways to ingest Texans football. Next up, we'll hear from the general, John McClain. We visited with him this morning. A little McClain reloaded for you. And also the running back position. We broke it down last week. We're at quarterbacks today. So let's hear what John Harris has to say about Deshaun Watson and company. That's all coming up on Texans Radio. Busy, busy Monday. We'll be back at it at Lambeau tomorrow morning, 8 to 10 a.m. But right now, let's get a little general reloaded here as we had John McClain on this morning. And we talked to him about the situation of running back, but also the situation. McClain's covered the league so long, dozens and dozens of years. And where does this stand up for him, this experience of being in the shadow of Lambeau Field? John Harris started us off. John, we're on the level of... All the stadiums that you've been through, all the places that you go, where does this one rank for you to go visit? Number one, because it's the cathedral of football. And uh, fans, like I was walking up here, and maybe this happened to you, I was walking down the street from the media lot on the other side of the Don Hudson Center across in the parking lot for Lambeau, and the fans were lined up, and I had my Texans media pass, and a bunch of them kept saying, welcome to Green Bay, welcome to Green Bay. The fans here are the most knowledgeable. They are the they are the greatest, and they are just the friendliest ever. I tell everybody, if you're going to do two things as a football fan, NFL fan, go to Lambeau Field, preferably in the winter, not at times like this because the weather's too nice, and you don't get the full effect. <laughs> it's too nice. But like when we were here for the Texans and Packers in what was sixteen? Yeah. And it was it was December and it snowed and it was uh-huh. not. A bad wind, it just snow came down like a winter wonderland. That's the way it's supposed to be. And then I tell them go to Canton and uh, to Canton to the Hall of Fame. Those are the two greatest things in pro football to me. I'm excited to see the Packer Hall of Fame later, which yeah. will be awesome. We'll be broadcasting from in it or near it, so that'll be cool. It's just such a terrific place. And you mentioned Canton, and I know all the ceremonies took place over the weekend, but here you have a live NFL team playing. Uh, to go along with all the history, and it's 100 years old, and it's just terrific. John, running back situation. I know you were on. In fact, you heard it in the promo. John McClain was on Sports Radio 610 yesterday giving his thoughts on the situation. But let's go over it as it was a bit of a surprise. Deontay Foreman released by the team. We all had a lot of hopes that he would be able to contribute. And I think the ceiling, we all agree, was was pretty high for him here. But obviously that's not going to happen. Your thoughts? When I found that out, I wasn't that surprised because I'd been hearing from people that he came back in really good shape, but he wasn't getting with the program on special teams. And Deontay was always last or next to last guy on the field. He's been late a lot. And when they were hoping he'd come back after the injury, his third year, kind of make or break and, and grow up, get serious about football. And Every time, going back to when I asked O'Brien, I think it was nine days ago, about talk about the running backs behind the first two, and he said, who are the first two? And I told him, he goes, Miller. The backup yeah. job is wide open. And every time he's talked about the backup running back since, it's all about special teams. They have to contribute on special teams. And he did not mention 
foreman one time, and we all know Deontay didn't like playing special teams and wasn't good at it. And um, so it wasn't any one particular reason, is they just saw more of the same. And they did him a favor, really, and it gives yep. them more time. But coming up, because he's got time to go try out for another, other teams, and hopefully it's a wake-up call for Deontay. He's a good guy. He's not a bad guy. Everybody likes him. He It's his third year in the league. He's just got to be serious. You can't miss rehab when you're rehabbing. You can't be late to meetings and get fined. And so hopefully when he goes with another team, That'll all be behind him, and he'll go in all gung-ho off the field as well as on the field. And now they have all these backup running backs who are going to get a lot of time in the next two practices and in the game Thursday night because I'm doubting Lamar Miller is going to play. And they know what Lamar can do. They don't need to see him. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to use him a ton during the year. So that begs the question that Mark asked me, John, a little while ago. Is the number two number two running back? I mean, Lamar's clearly the number one. So, yes. Is the number two running back on this roster, or are they going to go out and find one? I know you tweeted out about Melvin Gordon at that. Just don't worry about it. Don't even think about it. Don't come at me with this. Hashtag not coming. Is the number two running back on this roster? It doesn't have to be Melvin Gordon. It could be somebody else. But might they bring somebody in to be the number two guy? Yeah. If you think about the guys on this team, who was number two last year? Alfred Blue. Right. Alfred gained 400-something yards, 3.5 yards of carry. Caught passes, but he was really good on special teams. When Lamar Miller needs a breather or he gets hurt, he missed two and a half games last year. They got to have somebody capable of stepping up as a runner, as a receiver, and as a pass protector. That is so important, and Miller's great at that. People wonder why in the world do they have Lamar Miller? He's not a great runner. Well, he does other things. And in the NFL today, it's all about the passing game, not the running attack. So I think the other could be, we don't know, now that Bill's in charge, would he be more likely to trade draft choices? Or is he going to wait till somebody gets cut? If you, you guys know this, the position has been devalued. You can find running backs. The key is finding a guy who's going to fit what you want. And remember this, O'Brien constantly talks about the team concept, being a good teammate. Clint Sterner had a tweet that I retweeted about it's not hard to ask a player to be on time to do all the things you need behind the scenes. So I think they'll we're going to see guys get tried out, and I think if somebody gets cut they like, you know, Matt Bazergan and his staff, Rob Kissel, the pro personnel director, they got a list at every position, and the first guy becomes available they like, they're going to be all over him. Well, a lot of people are saying now, why not get somebody in the offseason? Let's go retroactive here. Did you see these things coming with Foreman? And i got to go back to Bill O'Brien saying positive things about Deontay in the offseason throughout the OTA period because it looked like things were trending in the right direction. But that doesn't clearly doesn't mean they're going to go on forever. Something changed. It just didn't take. It wasn't happening, and they had to make the move. And that's why they didn't get aggressive in free agency with a back or draft somebody high, even though, Johnny, you pointed out, hey, who are you going to draft? I mean, you had other needs as well, yeah. so it makes it difficult. They didn't draft anybody because Foreman, uh, he was read the ride act by O'Brien in his exit interview and told him, you better get with the program. You better come back here in shape because mm-hmm. he, he never worked as hard as he should have to be in shape, and you better be serious about football, and that includes on and off the field. 
So he did all those workout videos. He posted on Instagram. He showed them. He was determined. He came back in shape, and they liked it. And O'Brien said good things about him. So did his his teammates. And then he came back, but then he reverted to his same old habits. And so that's why. They were fired up about him. They wanted to give him a chance. And – and now he's gone. Some of our conversation with John McClain this morning. Now, the position group we broke down today is quarterbacks. Tomorrow, it'll be special teams. On Wednesday, it'll be every player on the roster by John Harris in rapid-fire fashion. But today, quarterbacks, how did that go? Today's position group is the quarterbacks. And it all starts with number four. And you can use more than two sentences because there aren't that oh. many of these guys. Number four, Deshaun Watson. Well, I think with Deshaun, look, we we've we're lucky. I saw I saw a tweet this morning from Joe Marino of the Draft Network, and they redrafted 2017, and he said, "Sorry, Chiefs and Texans fans, you do not get Mahomes and Watson at 10 and 12." Well, you know, but we did. So, going into year three, look, we all in Houston have hope, and you hear everybody say it: as long as four is on the field. We have hope. As long as four's on the field, we got a chance. We can do anything with four on the field. And so, obviously, health, put that up on the shelf because that's always going to be the most important aspect. But I think for him on the field this year, the biggest thing for him is how much quicker can he make decisions? Can he make the decision almost even pre-snap that he knows what he's looking at? He knows he sees too high, but he knows this team, he's like, I know they're going to transform to middle field close, single high. I know what route I have. I need to check us and get us out of this because I know what they're going to be in. I know where I'm going to go with the football. Bang, 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 throw it and let it go. And I think that's, that's going to be the biggest key. Can he make decisions quicker? Can the game slow down for him? And then when it does slow down for him, you're going to see this offense go to a whole different level as long as obviously the weapons around him are going to stay relatively healthy. Now, I don't know if you'll get 16 games from everybody, but if you've got if you've got Hopkins and Fuller and QT and the tight ends relatively healthy week after week, so he doesn't go into a game against the Colts who've got a pretty fast defense, and he's got no twitch on the field. He's got Hop, he's got Demarius Thomas, he's got Joe Webb. He's got no twitch. Yeah. And and that wasn't going to help him. He had to get rid of the ball quickly, and he had nobody like QT. You need twitch. Yeah. He needs, so if he can make decisions quicker, and I think he started doing that over the second half of the year. That's what... I think, you know, he threw some interceptions early on, and he had some questionable decisions early on. I mean, the Tennessee game people talk about, you know, 17 seconds left, we don't even get a field goal attempt, all that. But he chan- he transformed himself so quickly and then maintained that level throughout the year. And really the only interceptions that he threw the rest of the year were ones where he got hit or the ball was tipped. I don't remember him throwing interceptions other than I think the one in the playoff game maybe to Kenny Moore when it was fourth down and they were trying to get something and Moore came it's out of nowhere and pick. That was about it. So yeah. from that perspective, if he can maintain that t- that decision-making level, that high-level decision-making, this offense is going to be able to do what it wants. Yeah, I think very often when there's a sack or, or, or things don't develop quickly, he is trying to hold on to the ball and make a play yes. and, and run around and make a play. And I think the coaches love that, but they also – want him to curtail that, want yes. him to edit, want him right. to be very careful about preserving that, his body and live to fight another down. Right. There's nothing wrong with punting. I mean, not late in the game, but yeah. every once in a while, hey, just just take your medicine, just, just throw it away, and move on to the next play, whatever that play might be, as opposed to taking a sack, getting hurt, throwing right. a pick, whatever. Right. And, and he 
I, I just love his ability to scramble and make plays, you know. And so you get addicted to that sometimes yep. as a viewer. And maybe I don't think the coaches do. The coaches know what needs to be called. But his ability, if the, if the call is not going to work, to make something positive happen is unquestionably yep. supreme. His late game, got to have it, got to win the game, drive. Uh, it, when you look at the amount of game-winning drives, game-tying drives that yep. he has, very impressive for a young quarterback. Yeah. Everyone gets so intoxicated with Mahomes, and I get it. My gosh, it's ridiculous what Mahomes has been able to do in one year as a starter. That should not take anything away from what Watson's been able to do, and let's let this play out. These guys are going to be going for a long time. It's going to be fun to watch. Well, the plays that he's been able to make thus far in his career in the late third quarter or fourth quarter of games, I mean, the, um, the opportunity for the... Um, Watson to make plays in the fourth quarter has been just incredible. So he's been as good as you could possibly ask for. Like Mahomes has not had a situation where he's had to bring his team from behind. So uh, from that perspective, he's he's a guy that I think Watson has proven himself in the in the fourth quarter. So he's a guy that I want to continue to see do things in the fourth quarter. Mahomes hasn't done that in the fourth quarter. Has Mahomes brought the Chiefs back in any game in the fourth quarter? Uh, the Ravens game about, is the only one I could think about. But didn't he well, – against the Patriots, they score, they lose in overtime. What about the one yeah. at the Patriots? That was 43-40. to 40. I can't remember all the details. Look, I, I think Mahomes <laughs> will be fine. But, yeah, I don't know. But let's just see. Let's see how this thing plays out. I can't wait for – what is it, October 15th at October Arrowhead? 13th. 13th. October 13th. Mid-October, Arrowhead Stadium. It's going to be awesome. Next quarterback up as we're doing the position group breakdown, A.J. McCarron. Team signs him in the offseason – no Brandon Whedon as a backup this year. I've said this before, before he gets all the technical stuff. I love the hunger. He wants to play. Yeah. He wants to have, look, it's not like Brandon Whedon didn't want to have a career, but A.J. McCarron still probably has it in his mind that he can be a starter somewhere, and yeah. I like that. Yeah. You know, he's not rooting for any opportunity here in the regular season, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything bad to happen to Watson, but for A.J. McCarron, these next couple of games are these next four games are huge. He wants to make a great impression so that if the opportunity arises, he can potentially be a starter somewhere else. And I love that. And I like what he's done so far in his career. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Well, I've, and that's the thing. Look, all three of these quarterbacks have started a playoff game. Think about that. All three. All three. Joe Webb included, folks. Joe Webb started actually right over there, right on the other side of the street. Oh, my God. Yeah, against the Packers. Yep. He played. That's, he started in a playoff game. That's making so, the broadcast. Yeah, so Joe Webb and A.J. McCarron and Deshaun Watson have all started a playoff I game. I think the weather is slightly better here. Oh, wait, Maybe. were they at, They weren't at home in uh, outdoor? That was here. That was here, if I remember correctly. Or were they in that frozen well, tundra of Minneapolis no, for no, the no. University of Minnesota Stadium? No, they, they, that was that – was, Favre's last couple of years. Right, well, no, that one that one game, frigid frigid game, was Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, before yeah, yeah, Bridgewater yeah. ended up getting hurt. All right. Uh, if I remember, that was 2015. Oh, gosh, that was brutal. Anyways, with McCarron, he, to me, and look, I, I watched him coming out of Alabama. I saw him live at Alabama, mm-hmm. and I thought he was a really good college quarterback. I was like, but he just, you know, assets, traits, those are things that he doesn't, doesn't really have. But his arm strength, I think is really improved. Like I see him make throws out on the field, and look, it's not it's not Deshaun's arm strength, but it's pretty darn good. Like right. you don't see a huge drop off. So if you had if you uh, unfortunately had to go into a game with AJ, or something happened for a drive that Deshaun had to get checked out, 
you could put AJ in the game, and I think you would feel pretty good about him getting rid of the football, getting the off, or, you know, getting the offense in the right play, getting everybody lined up, getting ready to go, delivering the football on time. You can always rely on number ten. It's what every quarterback has done when they've stepped in for the Texans. Hey, yep. new quarterback, what are you going to do? Throw it to Hopkins. Yeah. Okay, well, you still got Fuller and you got QT, so he's got he's got options, which is kind of nice. So I think if he had to step in. I'm not going to lose too much sleep. Uh, obviously, you don't lose Deshaun for a long amount of time, and I don't want to see McCarron all in a game. But if it happened, I think we'd be much better set up than maybe any other time that I can remember having a backup quarterback, maybe dating back to Sage Rosenfels. Rosenfels, and did the word get out over the weekend? Where we, where did this develop? That he's the greatest preseason quarterback in NFL history or something like that? Who, Sage? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, Mr. August, look, I like Sage, you know this, and that might be true. I mean, he's He's had some big moments. Mr. August. They didn't call him that. I am. But, you know, when you're a backup quarterback, that's what you got. You know, you you want to play a long time. Yeah. John Harris breaking down the quarterback position. I weighed in on some of that. Tomorrow morning, special teamers, and that's muy importante in these preseason games. That's going to do it from Green Bay for tonight. Don't forget, tomorrow we'll be on 8 to 10 a.m. And Clint and Kamala will have the afternoon show for you 2 to 6 from Lambeau Field. It's all happening right here. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.